Praise God. Just, yeah, well, that's our future. That's in our future. We don't know how long we're going to be here on this earth. I really believe Jesus is coming back for his church very soon. I believe we are in the last of the last days. The very, well, you won't we say the last days, but I really feel that we're in the last hours of those last days of the church age is what we're speaking of when the Lord's coming for us. But uh, everybody is interested in the future. I was thinking uh, about this, and um, I guess it was yesterday evening or last night when I was, I was pondering this and I was typing up some notes and things, and, and I thought about going back to the end of 2019. And everybody, you know, was talking about looking forward to 2020. And um, there were some that, and, and, and 2019 was a rough year. We had, uh, and I've said this before, I think I, I uh, officiated more funerals in 2019 than in any, one, any other one year. You know, we had quite a few deaths and um, just, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things went on in 2019. So everybody was wanting to get... 2019 behind them and looking ahead to to uh to 2020 and we're looking ahead to the future not knowing what the future would hold and if you'll remember i i preached at the end of 2019 from uh hebrews chapter 13 and i preached about facing the new year without fear and uh, little did we know at that particular time that we were really going to need that word from the Lord that uh, because from the nearly from the beginning of the year we were just uh, bombarded with with uh, reports that would instill fear in our hearts weren't we we have been uh, all along and it started back up again but we're not going to get into that but we are interested in the future I think all of us are uh, what the future will hold, and there are people, you know, that have a lot of different ways of looking into the future, but I want to tell you, we can't, you know, we don't have any, and we don't have a crystal ball tonight. Uh, well, some people do, but that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's forbidden by the Lord, but there's a lot of different, um, a lot of different ways that people use to try to look into the future, and the point I'm trying to make is that People want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, don't they? Well, if I could just, you could tell me, and that's why there are astrologers and, you know, uh, uh, stargazers, they call them, and people look at their horoscopes and they read those. And, and I've known some people in the past that, boy, every day they'd get the paper and they'd turn to the horoscope page to see what was going to happen in their life. But you're not going to get... You're not going to be able to get the future from reading tea leaves or from a palm reader or from a psychic hotline or from a horoscope, and all of those things are forbidden in the Word of God anyway. Amen? Praise God. But uh, I can tell you what you can do and what God wants us to do. We can know what the future holds from the Word of God. That's absolutely correct. But as far as what's going to happen in our lives on a daily basis from day to day, we leave that in the hands of the Lord. And we do know this much. We do know that God does have a plan for each one of our lives. Now, do you believe that? 
He does have a plan for our lives. We do know that God loves us and that He desires the very best for our lives. So uh, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm assuming everyone here on this Wednesday night knows the Lord, you can, you can be well assured that no matter what tomorrow holds, God, if you've committed yourself to the Lord, He's got you, and He's going to work His plan and His purpose and His will in your life. Now, if you've submitted and committed your life to Jesus Christ, amen. So there should be no fear about tomorrow, no, no fear about the future. And so even though I don't know what's going to happen, and that's what James is talking about here. Even though we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or in our, in our future, um, we know that God has got our lives in His hands and that He's got um, our best in mind. Amen? He's going to take care of us. And so in these final verses of James chapter 4, these verses, the Holy Spirit through James talks about God's will and our future plans. And uh, so let's read this in James chapter 4. You're there in verse number 13. And let's read verse number 13 and verse number 14. Notice what he says. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Do you see that? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So as you read these verses, um, you see James is talking to a group of people here, a group of believers who were making plans, but there was no evidence, and here's the thing, even though they were making plans of what they were going to do, there was no evidence that they had sought God or that they had prayed about their decisions. But the evidence was here from what James was saying to them was that they had totally ignored the will of God in their plans. I know none of us have ever done that, have we? Amen? <laughs> but... Uh, but we, and, and this is what James is saying here in verse number 13, that there's something that we as believers have to be aware of in our life, and that is that we, um, that we don't get caught up in self-centered planning. That we don't get caught up in making plans that what just what we want to do. And, and that's what he said here in verse 13 and 14. He says, come now you who say. And he, he was dealing with individuals there, Christians, believers, that were saying, and here's what they said, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. 
and we will spend a year there, and we will buy, and we will sell, and we will make a profit. In other words, do you see what they were doing? They were making their plans of what they were going to do, but there was no evidence here at all. And, and, and that's the point that James is making, is that there was no evidence that they were including God in their plans for the future. And this is what he's warning us against, and the Word of God is, is warning us concerning because, because this individual that he's speaking to here is a person that's making a lot of plans for the future, but they're leaving God out. Now, you know, the Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't teach against planning. I don't think we should just go through life willy-nilly and just, you know, whatever and, and not not make plans for our future. Do you agree with that? I, I believe even the Bible does encourage it, um, that we do make plans, um, you know, um, for our life and, and in business and, and uh, for, our, for our career and all, all types of things. The Bible wants us to have a plan and to make plans and encourages that. But the problem with this individual that James is writing about here. And, and I think we've all been in this situation before, is that this person uh, was making plans, but they left God out of their plans altogether. They weren't consulting with the Lord. They weren't seeking the will of the Lord in what they were doing. Now, how many of y'all know this is vitally important, even in our everyday life? And, and I know I refer to the Lord's Prayer a lot, but that's the prayer pattern that Jesus gave us to use in prayer. And, and, and one, of the thing, one of the topics there that, that, that He told us, the subject matter that He told us in that model prayer was to pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Not, not my will be done, but thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so that's what James was dealing with here. People that weren't consulting the Lord. People that weren't seeking the will of the Lord. I mean, here was, here was individuals that were Christians. Individuals that went to church. They worshiped the Lord. But then they planned the rest of their life without God being involved whatsoever. And see, God wants to be involved in your life more than just on Sunday morning or night. For a lot of people, for most people, it's just Sunday morning. Sunday morning only, okay? But God wants to be involved in your life more than just Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night or just when you're in church. He wants to be involved in your life every single day. Amen? And that's what was happening here. They were, they were, they, they, they were serving the Lord. They were going to church. They were worshiping God. But then they went, went through the rest of their week and the rest of their life without God being involved at all. This particular individual here that James was writing to are, are using as, as an illustration or as an example, this man was planning for a year ahead, a year in advance. And in, 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 in reality, James was saying, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you've got things planned a year ahead without 
consulting the Lord in any of it at all. Amen. And, and he, wasn't really, he wasn't really saying, you know, not to plan ahead. We plan, you know, we plan vacations and we plan things and our plans don't always turn out. But we always, always should consult the Lord and be led by the Spirit of God in everything that we do and in the plans that we make. Do you know the Lord wants to be involved in every area of your life? And in all of the planning that you do, God wants to be involved. And you know, if we would include Him in our, in our daily life and in the plans that we make, I'm sure things would go a whole lot better and a whole lot smoother in our life. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Amen. So, uh, so, so they didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. Now here's the key. Here's the key, and James, the Holy Spirit gives it to James in verse number 15. Here's the key to planning for the future, and it's given here in verse number 15. Instead, let me, let me read verse 14 and 15 together. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away, and we'll come back to that. But look at verse 15. Here's the way you plan. Instead, you ought to say, oh, hallelujah, I know, I know we're all doing this. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this and do that. But, but now you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Do you notice that? Instead, you ought, here's what you ought to say. Not, listen, not here's what I'm going to do. Here's the plans I'm going to make. I'm going to do this. And what they were saying, we'll, I'm going, we're going into this city and we're going to stay a year and we're going to buy and we're going to sell. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to, we make all these plans. But he said, instead, here's what you ought to say. We can do all that, but if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. See, there's a, there's a big if in everything that we do. Are you are all listening to me tonight? I said there's a big if in all that we do. And that if is if the Lord wills. How many of y'all want the will of the Lord in your life? And it's if the Lord wills. My dad... You say that all the time when he was making plans. I've heard him say it many times. He would say, well, if, if, I, if the Lord wills and if I live and the Lord wills, we'll do this. And that's where he got it from. He was basing that upon the Word of God. And that little two-lettered word, if, is one of the biggest words in the Bible. And, and, and it, it denotes many times a condition. But here he's saying that, well, you know, if it's, if it's the Lord's will. And so is that what we're saying? Are we saying, and, and here's the thing, the question we have to ask ourselves tonight is this, as believers, and I know everybody here tonight's a Christian, and I believe everybody here wants the will of the Lord, and so we're here, we're here studying the Word to find out the will of the Lord and how to get the will of the Lord. But are you, as a believer, and, and I want to ask myself this, and I want you to ask yourself this, are we saying, Lord, bless what I'm doing, or are we saying, God, help me to do what you're blessing? 
Huh? And, and, and you know, Lord, will you bless what I'm doing? Well, what if it's not, what if you're doing what's not the will of the Lord? And I'm not talking about something sinful or, or, or anything like that or ir- illegal or immoral. Hopefully you're not doing anything like that. But, uh, but, but what if I'm doing something or planning something that I haven't consulted God and, it, and I don't know it's just something that Ricky wants? Amen? And, and I just go ahead and, and pursue that avenue without consulting God. And then I'm saying, Lord, bless this endeavor. Am I saying, Lord, bless what I'm doing? Or should we be saying, God, help me and lead me and show me to do what you will? Because I know one thing. If I'm doing what he wills, he will bless what I'm doing. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Woo, boy, wouldn't life be grand if we all did that. I've gotten some messes in my life because I'm sure all of us could, could, could tell a story about that. Couldn't we? No, I know you guys, you have all, every one of you here, have all sought the Lord about everything you've ever done and you've never missed God one time. Amen? <laughs> no, we all have. But God, listen to me, God wants to show you His will. And, um, and as you and I plan for the future, now the very, very, the main thing about the future that, that we're looking to is the, the Lord's coming. But now we can't just sit back and get at ease in Zion and say, well, Jesus is coming, so I don't have to do anything else, you know. I'm just going to sit and wait for the Lord to come. And there's people that's done that in the past, people that have sold everything and quit their jobs. And, uh, you know, there's been predictions made in the past. Uh, different individuals have set dates and predicted certain days that Jesus was coming. If you remember back in 1988, there was a popular book that was written, uh, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come in 1988. Well... Everybody, you know, they bought that book and they read that book and they planned for Jesus. They just knew Jesus was coming in 1988. And they should have known right, right away that Jesus, what did Jesus say about that? He said, no, no man knows the day or the hour uh, that the Son of Man comes. And I think that includes the year too. I mean, um, this, so the bottom line is, did Jesus come in 1988? No, if he did, everybody missed it. But he didn't come in 1988. But a lot of people sold their, their uh, you know, they got rid of their life insurance. They, they got rid of everything, and they just sat down, and when they, they looked for Jesus to come, and he didn't come. And a lot of people were, were, were deceived and duped and messed up. And uh, the next year, he wrote another book. And uh, it was 89 reasons why Jesus was coming in 1989. So, you know, but anyway, the, 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 the point is that God wants you as a believer, you and I, to know His will as we look to the future. We're looking for the Lord to come. But in our day-to-day life, God wants to lead us. In Psalm 32 and 8, I love this verse. In Psalm 32 and 8, he says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Amen? That's a promise from the Lord. He said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And then notice the last part of that verse. 
I will guide you with my eye. You know what that refers to? To be, for, to be guided, if someone guides you or directs you with their eye, to be guided by God's eye means that you have a very close relationship with the Lord. And we need that close relationship. Have you, have you ever been guided by somebody's eye? If, you, if you're married, you have. <laughs> you, you ever been in a you ever been in a in a in a in a group of people and you're in a conversation and you started to say something maybe uh that you wasn't supposed to say and your wife or your husband gave you the look and you knew by the look that you had done said the wrong thing amen you know what i'm talking about and so you took the conversation in a different direction without her saying a word or him saying a word and you just changed the conversation you had just been guided by their eye after a few years you get to learn the, that those signals amen but but what it's, it's talking about a, a close relationship with the lord and when we've got that close relationship he will teach us the way we'll go he will guide us by our eye i remember when you know when our kids were little and and uh, they were, you know, we would be in a church service and, and uh, they might be acting up or cutting up in church. You know, sometimes preacher's kids would do that. And um, I'd see it from the pulpit and all I would have to do would be to call their name and get their attention or if they would look at me and I'd just give them the look. And the look that they, that they got, they were guided by my eye. They knew that that look meant when you get home, <laughs> you're going to get it when you get home if you don't straighten up but that's what the Lord was, was the word of God was telling us here that, that we have a close relationship with him and that he will guide us and he will direct us and he will teach us the way that we should go he said this in Isaiah 30 21 he said your ears shall hear a word behind you saying this is the way walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left that's, a, that's what somebody referred to as heavenly sonar it's God speaking to you and you hearing not not an I'm not talking about an audible voice but throughout the day if you're tuned in to the Lord and uh, your 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 focus is on him throughout the day um, he will direct you he, you'll hear him say this is the way do you understand that God wants to lead and guide us in the right way and it's so easy for us to get sidetracked and get get off course Jesus said in John 16 and verse 13 speaking of the Holy Spirit he said that the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth when he has come he will do what? He will guide you into all truth. Thank God that we have a heavenly guide today to lead us. A guide is somebody, you know, a tour guide. If you went on, ever went on a tour or something, that tour guide takes you through and shows you everything about where you're going and leads you through that. The Holy Spirit is our guide today to lead us through every day of our life. Are you glad for the Holy Spirit today? Amen. Man, praise God. So God has a plan for every area of your life. He has a plan for your church life. 
He has a plan for your business life, for your career, for your marriage, for every area of your life. And so we have got to be careful to find that plan, to follow that plan, and, and understand this. That we, see, see, that's the thing. So many, I wonder how many people, and I'm talking about Christians, miss the will of God for their, for their life totally. And I don't want that in my I want to I want to be in the will of God. Amen. And that's what James was saying saying here. When you're making plans for the future, you ought to say if the Lord will. Is that your will for my life, Lord? And every single day, you know, in, in prayer, I'm always praying, God, today I want your will for my life. I want you to guide me. I want you to shepherd me. I want you to lead me in the paths of righteousness. Amen. And yielding yourself to him, and he will do that because he wants to guide you. So we have to understand that the will of God is not an option. It's an obligation. The will of God is not something that we can just take it or leave it. We cannot just say, well, you know, uh, God really don't care what I do. He does. He has a will for your life, and it is your obligation and my obligation to find that will and to walk in it and to let Him, let Him speak that word in our spiritual ear and let us hear Him say, this is the way when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. To hear that, that yes, that no. You know, the will of God and seeking the Lord and getting His direction many times is like a, 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 a green light. And I, I like to... I liken it to, and I think this is a good illustration, to a traffic light. There's a red light that means stop, and there's a green light that means go, and there's a yellow light that means slow down. And I, I believe that's the way that the leading of the Holy Spirit is in our life. The Bible says that His Spirit, God's Spirit, will bear witness with our spirit. Isn't that what it says? So there's a witness of the Spirit that will say, yes, green light, go. You got the okay. It's the peace of God. Amen. That is the, uh, that is the umpire in your life. It rules. I think it's Colossians 3.15 that says, let the peace of God rule in your life. And that word rule is the same word that we get the word umpire and the umpire is the one that does what he calls the shots he makes the call of whether the whether the the, the guy is safe or whether he's out or whether it's a ball or whether it's a strike and that peace the peace of God is an umpire in your life when you've got total peace about something you're praying about total complete peace that's the green light that's the voice of the Lord saying that's the right way that's the way you're to go but I'm telling you when you can't get no peace come on somebody and God puts up that red light and says hold it stop don't go any further come on amen that's God telling you no and you know what we can run the red light He lets us. I've done it. I even, you know, <laughs> we'll even floorboard it to get through a yellow light before it turns red. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. 
And we do that. We do that in the spiritual realm as well. But when God's saying stop, or when God's saying wait, hmm, boy, that's the one we don't want to hear. Wait. When everything just looks right and looks perfect, but yet you've got that witness of the Holy Spirit in there saying, no, there's no pe- there's not perfect peace there. You need to wait. You need to wait. And when God tells you to wait, you know what he's, why he's telling you to wait? He's because in his will there's something better down the road. Oh, praise God. I feel the Spirit of the Lord tonight. Amen? But the will of God is our obligation to find the will of God. And He will make it known to us. He wants us to know His will. It's not something that He's hiding from us, but it is something that He wants us to take time to seek Him about. Amen? So, so you're following me here. That's the key. Verse 15 is... That we ought to say, if the Lord wills. And you know how many people that there are that make up their mind what they want. No matter what. That's right. They make up their mind what they want. Then they try to force the will of God. Or they try to force God to okay that when it's not His will. Or they'll go ahead and pursue that. And, uh, you know, praying for God to open doors that it's not His will to open. Am I making any sense? You know, you know what Jesus, remember Jesus in Revelation said, said you know, um, He said, I'm the one. Jesus said, I'm the one that has the key of David. He said, I open and no man shuts, and I shut and no man opens. And then He told that church, He said, Behold, I've set before you an open door which that open door is a door of opportunity and it's a door of His will and it's what He wants for that person's life. But we have, to, we have to seek the Lord to find that open door and go through that open door. But listen to me, folks, saints, listen to me. When the Lord closes a door, don't try to force that door open. He's got it shut for a reason. Amen. And, and, and if He opens it, if He opens a door... Praise God. I love that. He said, there ain't no man, nobody can close it if he opens that door for us. But if he closes it, don't try to open it. We should be praying if the Lord will. Lord, you show me. Is this what you want me to do? Should I pursue that area of, 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 uh, of business or, or whatever it may be? And I don't know. There may be somebody here tonight that's seeking the Lord in Samarius, but God wants to show you his will amen if the Lord wills that's what we should say then we'll do this or that okay but notice he says and here's the reason why because we have to be uh, beware also of a self-confidence and a presumption that that so easily gets a hold of people's lives. Look what he says in verse 14. And here's why. We don't just make our plans and say, this is what we're going to do. And we forget this verse. We hear this verse 14 a lot at funeral services. But we need to hear it in church services. Because James 
says this, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. And neither does the palm reader. And neither does the Ouija board. Or the horoscope. Or the psychic hotline. I don't even know if they have that anymore. Used to be commercials on all the time. The psychic hotline, 900 number. People calling. People got rich off of that. It was demon inspired. But he says, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears, listen, for a little time and then vanishes away. That old, that old song, you know, that says, we used to sing it years ago, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Hallelujah. That's the main thing you got to be concerned about. Amen. Because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, you know, back in January, we went on that. You know, we went on vacation. We went on a cruise. We had a great time. And then a few weeks later, everything shut down. The church is closed. You, know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So, uh, he said that, that this is the way life is. He likens life to a vapor. And the Greek word there that he uses that's translated vapor is a word that means uh, um, to exhale. And so he's, he's, he's trying to paint a picture here of a, of a, it's being like a, you know, like your breath on a cold winter morning that when you walk outside and you, you breathe and, and you see that vapor, that, that foggy mist comes out of your mouth because of the cold weather, but it's there just for a moment and then it's gone. I always like to think of it as, as that hot steaming cup of coffee in the morning that you're sitting there and the vapor, the steam rising off of that cup of coffee, and it's this, there for just a brief moment and then it's gone. It's it's not there anymore, and that's the the that's what James is likening our life to. It's it's here. Listen, our lives are so brief. There we're here for just a little while, and then life vanishes away. And when we think about life, it seems like when we're measuring life by years, it seems like it's oh a long time. You know, I uh, you know when I was when I was in my twenties, I could never even. Imagine being in my 60s, being that old. Amen. But here we are. It came pretty quick. Praise God. We're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting close to Medicare and all that. <laughs> Praise God. And it just came pretty quick because life is so short. It's so brief. And, 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 and even I just, you know, I saw on the news yesterday where Carl Reiner died. You remember Carl Reiner. He was a comedian. He, he's the one that, that uh, developed the Dick Van Dyke show and, um, and play, played Alan Brady on there and everything. 
thing, 98 years old. He died at 98 years old. But you know what? That, that life of 98 years, like a, like a mist, like a vapor off of a hot cup of coffee when it's compared to now the fact that, that he is in eternity and will live wherever he's at, whatever decision he made. He'll be there for eternity. 98 years is a short period of time. Amen. Doesn't matter how long you live. And we measure our, our life by years, but James said our life is like a vapor. We're here just for a little while. And compared to eternity, it's just a short span, a short period of time. And that's why he said that we're not to boast carelessly about the future. Are you listening to me? Not to carelessly boast about the future. Because let me tell you something. I'm planning on seeing the, the, the return of the Lord. I believe it's that close. But you know what? I do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. This could be the last sermon that I preach. This could be the last service you attend. None of us know. We don't know what is coming tomorrow. But God does. Jesus does. There's somebody that does know what's coming tomorrow. There's somebody that does know what's going to happen to my life tomorrow because he's already there. He's the beginning and he's the ending and he's the alpha and he's the omega and he's everything in between. Come on, amen. He's already there. Woo, and if I've got my life in his hands, then he is gone. My tomorrow will be okay. Praise God. I feel the Holy Spirit tonight. So, you know, we look forward. I think here we are six months into 2020, and everybody's saying, come on, 2021. <laughs> We're looking forward. Already to next year. But you know what? This could be the year that we check out. I know people say, well, I don't want to hear that. But we don't know. I just read it to you. I'm not making this up. We don't know. I preached, conducted several funerals last year of people in this church that at the beginning of 2019 had no idea that by the end of that year they'd be with the Lord in heaven. Had no idea. And so, you know, that's why every day we have to seek and we must seek the will of the Lord. But this could be our year and hopefully, you know, listen to me. This very verse right here, this very verse is the reason why We've got to stay ready to meet Jesus on a daily basis because we don't know. We don't know. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. So there's two scriptures that prove that point right there. I've given, I don't know how many over the years of preaching the Word, uh, preaching revivals, pastoring churches. I don't know how many. Only God knows. But I've, give, I've given a lot of altar calls. 
I've given a lot of altar calls. I've witnessed to a lot of different people over the years, and I know you have too. And I've heard a lot of them say, thank God I've, I've, saw, I've saw a lot of them come and get saved over the years. But I've heard probably more of them say, well, I'll get saved someday. I'll give my heart to the Lord sometime, but just not right now. I've, I mean, I've got a lot of living to do. I've got a lot of things that I want to do. I, I'm young, you know, and that's the thing the devil always tells the young people. Well, you're young. You, you've got a long life ahead of you. You need to, you know, you need to have some fun and live it up and enjoy life. And then you'll have time when you're older. You'll have time to make things right with the Lord, and you'll have time to live for Jesus. But, but, but no, listen, listen. That's what this scripture is saying. That's what Proverbs 27 1 is saying. Your life's like a vapor. Don't boast about tomorrow because you do not know what a day may bring forth. And, and age doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether somebody's a child or a teenager or, or, or in their 30s or 50s or 60s. It doesn't matter. I've preached, I've conducted funerals of, of people of all ages from five months old up to in their 90s. Amen. Of all ages. But the thing is we must be ready every single day of our life because we don't know what's going to take place tomorrow amen so many people i think about that that rich fool that jesus talked about in luke chapter 12 you know that said you know he had a bumper crop that year and he had his fields produced more than they ever had before he said i've got so much this is the most the the, the greatest my farm has ever done i've got so much i don't even have room to bestow all my goods he said i know what i'll do i'll tear down these barns i'll build bigger barns and i'll fill those barns and when those barns were full he had he had built the new barns he had filled them up with his crops he had everything that he ever dreamed of and he said now I'm going to sit down and I'm going to take my rest and everything's going to be alright and the and Jesus said but God spoke to him that night he had just gotten ready to live but God spoke to him that night and said you fool this night your soul will be required of you he had made provision of everything in life but he forgot the will of God he didn't know that that was going to be the day that the Lord was going to call for a reckoning with him and none of us know that that's why we got to be ready every day every day Woo! praise God I'm talking about planning for your future that's part of planning for your future he said in verse 16 but now you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Did you hear that? All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, I guess this is the last verse. We'll close with this. What a place to close. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. People say, Brother Rick, why, why are you always seem like you're on people all the time? I'm, all I'm doing is reading the Bible to you and telling you what it says. Amen? <laughs> he said, to him who knows to do good, here's a, 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 
another thing we have to be aware of is a, is a self-complacent life of procrastination. People who know God's will, see, we're talking about knowing His will for the future, but now here, people who know the will of God, but yet disobey the will of God. The person here that boasts in himself becomes complacent, and he's, he or she is aware of God's will, but doesn't want to do it. He knows or she knows to do good, but doesn't do it. Not going out and committing terrible, horrible acts of sin, but just knowing what to do. The good to do, the will of God to do, and just choosing not to do what God said to do. Boy, it's quiet here in this Pentecostal church tonight. Amen? <laughs> and these are what we refer to as sins of omission. Not committing sin, but omitting things, just leaving things out. And do you know that sins of omission are just as bad or maybe even worse than sins of commission? Why would you say that? Well, if you're doing what you ought to do, you can't do what you ought not to do. So you need to be doing what you ought to do. So there's sins of commission, and people say, well, Brother Rick, I'm not going out and doing anything wrong, but what about knowing the good to do and not doing the good we're supposed to do? Praise God. Maybe we need to have altar call tonight and all of us pray through. But that's what James is dealing with and talking here about. A Sunday school teacher one time asking a little kid's Sunday school class uh, what sins of omission were, and a little boy raised his hand. And he said, I know, I know. She said, well, what are sins of omission? He said, well, those are the sins you ought to have done, but you didn't do. Well, no, he had it a little mixed up. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. The sins of omission are the, things that you sh the good things that you should do and you just don't do. Amen. Knowing the will of God and not doing. But, but, but listen, sins of omission are very, very deceptive. And that's why we have to be aware of them because they're very deceptive. It's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily that somebody's saying, I'll never do this, I'll, I'll, not do, I'll never do the will of God. But so many times we say, yeah, I know I need to do that, but not just right, not right now. I'll do that later. Boy, I tell you, praise God. I got to close here. We're going to go home. Do you know the reason that people are lost tonight and are going to hell. And I know some would say, yeah, because they're, they're evil and they're wicked and they're sinning and they're doing all these things wrong. And yeah, they, the people that are lost are evil and they're wicked and they're sinning and they're committing acts of sin. But that's not necessarily the reason that they're going to hell. The reason that they're lost is because of what they're not doing. What do you mean by that? I mean that the sin that is condemning them is the fact that they're not receiving 
the salvation that Jesus has offered them through the blood of the Lamb. Because, see, the price has already been paid. And I know people get on this and they'll say, well, Jesus already paid for the sin of the world. So, uh, you know, so that means everybody's already forgiven and everybody will be saved. Jesus has already atoned for all sin. He already, his blood has, has paid the price. He's took the judgment upon himself at the cross for, for the entire world and for all the sinners of this world. But the thing that's going to cause them to go to hell is, and be condemned is the fact of what they omit, what they do not do. The fact that they reject Him, Jesus, and the price He paid for them and don't receive Him as their Savior and Lord. You remember what Jesus said in uh, John chapter John chapter 3 and verse 18. He said, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. Remember that Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 when, when the prison shook and the, and the prison doors opened up and, and all the prisoners were set free during that earthquake when Paul and Silas was praising the Lord. You remember that? And that, that jailer of that Philippian jail ran in there and he was about to kill himself, you know, and Paul said, don't, we're all here, don't do yourself any harm and he fell down and he said what must I do to be saved what did Paul say to him believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house but let me ask you a question what must a person do to be lost I'll tell you the answer to that nothing just nothing. Just omit. Just, just to know to do good and don't do it. Am I making any sense? Just nothing. Because, listen, everybody outside of Christ that's born in this earth is already lost. They're already condemned. Somebody said, well, you know, don't condemn me. Don't you condemn me. If you don't know Jesus, you're already condemned. We're born into this world sinners, lost without God. And the thing that damns the soul is to do nothing about that when you've got a Savior that can take your sin away and change your life. To know to do good and not do it. That's the most terrible sin that there is. Whew, man. Well, that's not me. I've accepted Jesus. I'm saved. I, well, praise God. That's wonderful. But listen, that applies to us that are saved as well. Because we know what we're supposed to do. And I'm not, I'm not preaching a works salvation here tonight. But we know from the Word of God that, that, that our relationship with the Father is based upon our faith in Christ and His shed blood. But then... To, to develop our walk with the Lord, there's to be a prayer life and we need the Word of God and we need to be in church and we need to attend the house of God. Amen? There are still, listen, listen, this, the, there are still commandments to obey even in the New Testament. 
Amen. We don't, we're, we don't attain righteousness through the works of the law. We attain righteousness through our faith in Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. But after you've been born again, praise God, there are still commandments in this book that we are to follow, that we are to abide by. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen. One of those commandments is men are always to pray and not to faint. One of those commandments is given it shall be given unto you. One of those commandments is do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together in the house of the Lord. Amen. And but, but see when we neglect, when we neglect those things, our Bible reading, when we neglect our prayer time, and when we neglect our fellowshipping and coming together in the house of the Lord, when we know to do good and do not do it. Glory to God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, how shall we escape, talking to believe, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Not reject, but neglect. Told you I needed to close. It's the neglect of duty. Are you listening? It's the neglect of duty that brings failing in the Christian life. Do you know there are people here at Abundant Life Family Church? Do I say this or not? That since we had the shutdown, and we've opened back up. Their church attendance isn't what it was before the shutdown. Are you with me? It's the truth. Some have come back sporadically, but it's not like they used to. Sunday school attendance is not what it was before the shutdown. There's a neglecting. There's a no Has God changed his mind? Are we still supposed to be in the house of the Lord? I don't know what's going to happen. I made the statement, and I'm planning on by the grace of God and the help of God of sticking with it that we're not shutting down no more. Boy, that's glory to God. What if it gets real bad? Well, we'll be, we'll be protesters for Jesus, and it won't bother us. Come together. We're going to protest in the house of God. Pro pro protest what's going on out there, and it'll be okay. But people have slipped. Hebrews 2.1, giving the more earnest heed to those things which we've heard, lest at any time you let them slip. Every time... Every time we fail to do what we ought to have done, we're, 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 we're falling into that category of knowing to do good and not doing it. See, we've got to find the will of God and do it. Amen? All right, I'm, I'm closing one. There's so many areas I could go here, but let me go here and finish with Numbers 32, 23. 
You know this verse. Numbers 32, 23. Listen to what it says. But if you do not do so, these are the words of Moses. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. Anybody ever heard that verse before? Be sure your sin will find you out. Well, what was, what was this referring to? You've got to read that whole 32nd chapter of Numbers to get the whole story. But, but let me give it to you in a nutshell. It was right before the Israelites were getting ready to cross over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. They were still on the east side of Jordan, getting ready to cross over and take Jericho and, and subdue the land and drive out the Canaanites. Well, while they're on the east side of Jordan, there was two tribes, one Reuben and one Gad, that decided they wanted to stay on that side of the river. They said, we got cattle, and, and this land is perfect for cattle, and we just want to stay here on the east side of Jordan. We don't want to cross the Jordan, and we don't want to go into the land of Canaan. And there's a whole message right there in itself, ladies and gentlemen. But, but Moses, they went to Moses, and they said, we just want to stay right here. This is the perfect place for us. And Moses said to them, here's what he said. He said, shall your brethren go to war? While you sit here, why do you discourage the hearts of the children of Israel? In other words, Moses is saying, you mean we're going to go fight the battles. We're going to drive out the enemy. We're going to get the blessed promised land while you just sit here and ease and take it easy? That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Are y'all with me? And, and, and they said, no, 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 said, here's what we'll do. They said, when it's time for war, we're, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll build some houses for our wives and our children. We'll build sheepfolds for our cattle and our livestock here on this east side of Jordan. We'll, we'll leave them here. But when y'all cross over and you go in to fight the Canaanites and it's time for war, we'll come with you and we'll fight with you and we'll help you defeat the enemy and we'll help you to take the land. And, and so we're not going to leave you on your own. We'll help you fight the battles. But then when the battle's won, we'll come back over here and settle on this east side of Jordan and Moses said to them well if you're willing to do this if you're willing to go with us armed to war over Jordan and you're willing to help us to subdue our enemies then that'll be fine you will be blameless but if you do not do so you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out was that a sin of commission no it was a sin of omission they said we'll go help you fight the battle and he said if you don't help us you have sinned against the Lord Ladies and gentlemen, there's too many people within the church today who want to stay on the easy side of Jordan. They don't, want, they, they don't want to do anything. They want everybody else to fight the battles, to do all the work, to do all the praying, to do all the visiting, to do all the witnessing. They want everybody, everybody else to do it. But they want to enjoy the blessing of the promised land too to know to do good 
and do not do it. Well, come on. When people don't come to church, you know what they're doing? I know this is not going to set well with some folks, and you all are here, but when people, when people know that they should be in church, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, and they choose not, they say, I know that I shouldn't, but I'm, I should be there, but I'm not going. They are, that's a vote. They're casting their vote. We don't care if the doors are closed or not. That's what they're saying. By their, by their, oh, hallelujah. We don't care if the doors are closed or not. That's the way I'll cast my vote. I'm not going. I don't care what the preacher says. I'm not going. I'm going to stay home. You've just cast your vote to shut the doors of the church. Now, I know that's a little hard, but that's the way I feel, and that's the truth. Amen? If everyone voted like some, there wouldn't even be a church. If everyone voted like some, there wouldn't even be a house of God. If every member of Abundant Life was just like you, just think about this. What kind of church would we have? I believe that everybody here tonight, that if every member of this church was like you, if everybody, we, we got a good church. But how much better would it be if everybody saw the need of crossing over the Jordan and getting their weapons and let's get in this thing together and let's fight this enemy together and let's conquer the promised land together. Praise God. Amen. Let's build the kingdom of God together. Amen. Nobody would say, I just want a free ride, but everybody would do their part. If all worshipped, if everybody worshipped with the same enthusiasm that I worshipped with, what kind of church would we have? If everyone gave the portion of their income as I do or as we do, what, would, would we be able to make ends meet? If everybody prayed for the lost and had a burden for the lost like I do, ask ourselves this, would anybody ever get saved? Amen. Hallelujah. They hadn't done anything wrong, but to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. Listen, folks, don't leave God out of your future. Don't omit the will of God from your life. Don't know the will of God and then disobey it. That's what Jonah did. God spoke to him and said, you go to Nineveh and preach the preaching I bid you. And he got in a ship and paid the fare and bought the ticket and headed in the opposite direction and said, I ain't going there. You won't like it. Being in the whale's belly is not fun. <laughs> Amen. <sighs> Glory to God. Let's stand tonight. Praise God. Worship team, come on back. We'll sing something. We'll go home. Was this okay tonight? Did you get anything out of that? Praise God.